Hello, and welcome to the Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. I'm sure our listeners are aware that the city of Stockton has been piloting a basic income, and we have some initial results from the study. So I had a chance to speak with Suki Samra. She's the director of the Stockton Economic Empowerment Demonstration, the pilot program there, about a new dashboard they just released that lays out what's actually been happening as part of this pilot. So here's Jim's conversation with Suki Samra. All right, Suki, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Of course, it's my pleasure. So Seed starting dispersing payments earlier this year. Can you just to start with talk a little bit about how has that process gone so far? Sure. Um, so as you said, Seed started giving 125 randomly selected Stocktonians $500 a month for 18 months in February of this year. It's unconditional cash, meaning there's no strings attached and no work requirements. And we're administering the $500 per month on a prepaid debit card. Um, so far, it's exceeded all of our expectations. Um, just about two weeks ago, we launched our community dashboard, um, releasing for the first time ever program data and also some stories and recipient anecdotes about their experience with the program so far. Yeah, can you say a bit more about this? This is somewhat unusual compared to other cash transfer pilots. Usually people try to keep the specific individual experiences out of the news, whereas y'all have had a program where where you do have a way of, of lifting that up. So can you just share some of the experiences that people have talked about? Yeah, um, and to your point, it is unusual, but for us, we at Seed recognize that Data alone doesn't change hearts and minds. It's really stories that do. And it's a lot easier to attack numbers than it is to attack real humans whose experiences mirror those of your own. And so for us, storytelling has been at the forefront of our sort of theory of change. Um, We have, you know, recipients who have, we talk about using the $500 a month um, to, you know, to pay for their medicine, to pay for their rent, to catch up on all of their bills. Um, We have other folks talking not so much about what they've spent the money on, but the impact that the money is having on their lives. So we have folks like Tomas Vargas, um, who before Seed was working a part-time job and had multiple side hustles and barely had any time to spend at home with his kids. In February, he became one of our recipients. And since then, um, he not only took the risk um, and took the day off to you know, apply to new jobs and has been able to get a full-time job that comes with benefits. But he also talks about how he's a much better father, how he's gotten to know his kids so much better. He knows that his daughter has a great sense of humor and that his son likes working out to like traits that he never would have like gotten the chance to pick up on if it hadn't been for his experience with seed. Um, We have other recipients who talk about how the $500 a month has stabilized their relationships. So we have a recipient named Zane, who before Seed had just lost her job with the federal government, was door dashing while her husband was a full-time truck driver. Now both her and her husband have full-time jobs at Tesla. And before Seed, they were contemplating divorce, but divorce is no longer on the table because they're not, because there's no financial strain on their relationship anymore. So I think for us, the elevating the stories of our recipients is about so much more than what the money is being spent on, but instead about the impact. And we're really starting to hear that. Wow, those are some impressive results this this early on. So turning to the dashboard that you mentioned, uh, I'm curious, both what what are you communicating through that? What what sort of data and information is being shared? And also, how did you decide on on what to put on there? Sure. So if you go to the dashboard right now, at stockingdemonstration.org backslash dashboard, um, what you'll see... In this first release of data is some demographics, 
as well as high-level spending data. Um, so in terms of demographics, we have a gender breakdown, race and, uh, race and ethnicity, we have employment, we have financial situation before seed, and then spending data for the first five months of the program. And what we see overwhelmingly, um, two things. One, what we've always intuitive, intuitively known to be true, which is that our folks are working, but the economy isn't. When you look at the uh, employment breakdown, you see that 43% of our recipients are working full or part-time. Another 10% work as stay-at-home caretakers, uh, caregivers, um, and less than 2% are, are unemployed and not looking for work. Yet we also see that despite that employment data, the median household income per month before seed was just $1,800. That means that an additional $500 a month, it's a 30% increase in most people's household income per month. Um, and second, I think what we see is that the spending data shows um, that folks are still using the money to overwhelmingly to meet their basic needs. We have 40% of track purchases are on food, 25% are on home goods, clothes stores, discount and dollar stores like Walmart, where you can also buy food. Um, 11 to 12% on utilities, another 10% on auto care. In terms of how we decided and how we'll continue to decide what's going on the dashboard, um, SEED is a project for the community by the community. So community engagement and maintaining community transparency is at the heart of our program. So before we made the data dashboard live for the nation, we actually made it live for Stockton. So we worked with groups like the Stockton Scholars and the Conway Homes Resident Council. To them, we took a beta version of the dashboard, got some feedback on what they'd like to see, how they'd like to see it, what stories they'd like to be shared. And once we got that feedback, we incorporated it before we really shared our data with the rest of the world. And we'll continue to do that for the rest of the demonstration. So the dashboard will be updated on a regular basis from here on out. Um, in later months, you can expect to see raw outcome data and what outcome data we share will be contingent upon what our community groups want to see. So since you released the dashboard, there, there's been a fair amount of attention on, on some of the results there. What have you observed as far as the public reaction generally to it? Overwhelmingly, it's been positive. Um, I think there's been a lot of, I mean, we've, ha we've seen a lot of support come out in terms of people acknowledging the fact that this is, you know, the first, the, it's the first of its kind. And so really seeing that Stockton is a pilot, Stockton is providing proof of concept for why an income floor is so necessary in this country. Um, in terms of some of the criticism that we've seen, a lot of it revolves around the tracked versus untracked purchases. So like I said, we have spending data, but the spending data that I shared relates to the tracked purchases that are on the prepaid debit cards. Um, and in response to that, we say, although we can't track 100% of all purchases, um, the reason that we went with a prepaid debit card was because it was the most universally accessible. And even of the folks who are either transferring money off of their cards or withdrawing as cash, the qualitative data is helping us get a really holistic image. And we see that when folks are taking money off of the cards, they're doing so either because they don't have a trust in institutions. So we've seen with our recipients that a lot of folks have been victims of scam previously. Um, so they didn't trust that seed was around the state. And it took a couple of months of disbursements before our recipients believed that seed was really here to stay for 18 months with no catch. The other thing we see is that folks are transferring into their existing accounts. So if someone already, if someone has a pre-existing bank account, they just transfer the $500 from the debit card to their own account. Then we also see folks taking off the money just in cash so that they can use it in the economy, in the stock economy, to pay for things like tithes at church. 
or to pay for a haircut. Um, so that's kind of, those, that's high level sort of the uh, feedback that we've received thus far. You talked a bit about how some of the findings so far have, have confirmed some of your expectations coming in. I'm curious, what things have surprised you along the way? I think the most surprising thing for me has been, and it, it's not necessarily surprising as much as it is, I think, sort of an indictment on the system. It's that I knew that a high percentage of our disbursement would be spent on food, but I was surprised to see just how much it was. And I think for me, that's particularly surprising because it forces me to reckon with the idea of if folks don't have $500 a month, where is the food coming from? Um, and it begs the question, again, of what happens sort of if the $500 a month isn't there. And it begs the question of, for me, long-term sustainability and scalability. And really, I think urges seed to continue its advocacy efforts to prove to statewide and national leaders the importance of having an income floor. So on that note, I'm curious that as things progress here, where do you see all this going? Um, how, how is this informing your thinking in Stockton? How do you hope it will inform thinking more broadly? Sure. So SEED is a time-limited intervention. Um, from the beginning, we've been in eight, for 18 months, um, and just the 18 months. Our hope really is that the data and the stories that we produce as a program will make the case statewide and nationally for guaranteed income and for an income floor. The exciting part is that even before our data started coming out, even before some of our early stories were trickling out, we were seeing momentum, um, both at the statewide, both at the state and national level. Rather, it's the expansion of the EITC, um, as Governor Newsom did in his past budget, or it's Senator Harris's Lift the Middle Class Act, Representative Rashida Tlaib's Boost Act. Increasingly, we're seeing policymakers recognize that this economy isn't working for everyone. And our hope is that as the second half of the program progresses, that policy action will only continue and accelerate. That was Jim Pugh and Suki Samra on the Basic Income Podcast. Uh, for one, just super obvious point, I think it's really exciting to be getting these results and seeing them in real time, and that it didn't take that long. The thing you worry about with these pilots is, you know, it takes two years to do the thing, and then it takes another six months to a year to actually get the results, and then people argue about the results. And here we're seeing these real stories about people's lives getting better in super easy to understand, tangible ways, and in ways that you might not immediately think about when um, when you're thinking about what cash can do, but people getting better jobs, people's relationships improving, makes a lot of sense when you think about it for a little bit, but seeing it in real people's lives, I think, makes all the difference. Yeah, I agree. I think seeing seeing how quickly it, it does make a difference for people and yeah, just just hearing about how rapidly their experience change, uh, it's it's pretty striking. I just to be clear and, and to give the team their credit, it did take them multiple years to get ready to launch this in the first sure, place. Sure. So, and I think that's something that it, it's important to to not overlook that making sure you go through all all the prep to to make sure you do this right is still quite a big undertaking and, and something that hopefully we can be be sharing that knowledge and and allowing this easier in the future. But yeah, as, as far as the impact itself, I, I yeah, I, I am continually impressed despite having had many, many conversations about this topic. Yeah. And I think it's great. I guess Suki mentioned they had some criticisms about how some of the purchases were untracked, but I was impressed with how, how much was tracked. And it, it struck me as well, what percentage of it, it was 40 something, I think, percent went to food purchases, which is 
shows you kind of what situation people are, are living in. And this is just 125 people. It's not like the only 125 people that could use some cash assistance. So, I mean, one, it shows that cash goes to people's basic needs in, you know, most cases. And also people's basic needs are pretty basic. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 what we talk about. It's what we, I, I think, expect at, at some level, but to actually see it happening, it, 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 it definitely confirms that and, and makes it real to understand what's actually the, the lived situation here. Something that also stood out for me is what, what she said about how they were approaching this with community involvement, and particularly that they had reviewed the dashboard with the community before opening up to a wider public. I think that is something that is so often overlooked when thinking about public policy is that we'll kind of get stuck up in the macroeconomic level thinking about, okay, well, how much money are people getting and have tried to do these apples to apples comparison across any program that's a similar uh, economic shift. But how you actually execute matters so much. And when you have something that community can feel ownership over, I think it has some very real implications as far as I mean, across the spectrum, whether people buy into it in the first place, whether they're willing to even take up what you're offering, and I think also a, a sense of communal responsibility as far as, oh, what does this mean, and how do I have obligations to, to make sure I am I'm pursuing things to, to make things better? Yeah, and you know, this isn't your, your average government program, or it's not a government program at all, uh, so there should be some some caveats to this next comment. But one thing that I think is worth noting is that I don't detect any sort of shame around receiving this cash. And it's just very hard to imagine something equivalent for people on food stamps saying, you know, yeah, I, I feel so good that I got my food stamps this month. And you know, here's what I used it for. And here's how it is empowering me to be a, a better parent or, you know, seek a better job. You, you could do a project like that. But that's really not the attitude we have around most government assistance. And of course, this is not government assistance. It's a different sort of thing. But that is something that, that gets brought up a lot around basic income is if it just goes to everyone, you don't have to feel like it's this kind of dark secret that you're getting government money because you couldn't make ends meet on your own. Yeah, it, it seems like psychologically, this, this is occupying a, a very different place in people's mind. And as you say, it is the place that, that we hope that basic income would occupy as this, this thing that is different, not not welfare, not a handout, but rather just something you get. Hey, thank you for listening. And a reminder, you can support the work we do at the Basic Income Podcast by going to glow.fm slash basic income. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you to our producer, Eric Davidson. And if you like our podcast, please do make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or the podcast service of your choice. We'll talk to you next time.